Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SENZ. You got Ricardo in the house, you got Kez in the back room running the absolute cutter. Running a tight ship in the kitchen there, Kez. Keep up the good work, brother. And we got Aroha keeping us up to date with what's going on in the news here and abroad. A big show has been brewing up in the kitchen. I'm going to welcome in. The one and only Pierre. <laughs> Bonjour. Ça va? Bonjour. Bonjour. I thought it was more like, more like Mr. Cleese, mate, or Faulty Towers. If you, have, if you haven't had a, uh, a look at this this morning, go and check out our Instagram, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, and uh, have a look what uh, Kez has put together for today's show. It's got to be one of the best uh, so far. We're trying to promote the show and uh, yeah, get on there and have a look at it, but Mate, we come up with one this morning, and uh, Izzy, it is honestly, I haven't stopped laughing for the last five minutes watching it. That bloody moustache, mate, it's, uh, it's wiggling around as I'm talking. It's hard case. Um, but that's what we got with our, our new man in the kitchen, Kez. He's uh, really pumping up the show. Myself, you, and Ricardo in the mornings. Um, and it's getting plenty of uh, it's getting plenty of traction, mate. The old, what did someone, someone text me yesterday, mate? What you, what's that? Program Ricardo that we got that hospital program that we got on TV here, Shortland Street. Shortland, Shortland Street. Street. <laughs> he goes Shortland <laughs> Street. Here we come. I'm like, oh mate, come on, cut that out. We're, we're mate, not even that good. I I, I, did, I I was just impressed with how many different accents he managed to fit into a 30 second promo. Yeah. <laughs> so mate, he started funny. friction that he turned into Basil Faulty. <laughs> Basil, Basil. It's more like Basil Faulty too. Oh, mate, classic is he? Unbelievably oh, funny. Man. So good. So good. Well, tell us what we got cooking in the kitchen. What's in the oven? <laughs> there's, pl- there's plenty in the Cafe Della Kempi this morning. Uh, we're going to John Corrales talking NBA because the Celtics and the heat, it's heating up. This is game seven and it's at uh, Boston. Celtics look like they possibly can come back and create history uh, being down three nil to uh, to win that series and get into the NBA Finals. Nick Wilson will come on in 7.40, talk to us about the, his uh, his retirement, the Triple Olympian Blacksticks. Uh, Nick Wilson is basically heading to the to the paddock and uh, we'll talk about his career. Clark Laidlaw, uh, I look, watch this mm. on the weekend, The because uh, I, I turned on, when I was down at Hawke's Bay, I turned on the telly and I was watching uh, Stan, they had that sports program Stan on, and it was about all the Australians, and they were talking about Australian pathways. And I just so happened to look at the Australian under twenties while the while the show was on, and uh, they've come out and beat our under twenties down in Upper Hutt on the weekend. So we'll talk to to Clark mm-hmm. Laidlaw about that and see um, see where he's headed. Uh, he comes from sevens, obviously fifteens, and uh, where his future is, is headed. Paulie Mawari, there's racing in Hawke's Bay today, so we'll talk to him about where all the money's going uh, off the back fence. I've got I've got an off the back fence today, which is uh, about to stimulate some thought uh, in and around rugby union, rugby league, and much much more. And of course, yep, we'll be heading out. To Cafe de la Kempi later, they'd probably get a coffee, I'd say. And a <laughs> hopefully, croissant. Hopefully, hopefully Pierre's still working. Croissant. <laughs> with, a, with a baguette. With a baguette, Ricardo. Uh, you would love a croissant and a baguette, wouldn't you? Nice little morning brekkie. Oh, mate, you got to. There's nothing. There's nothing better, mate. The French do it so well. The French do it so well. Can't A, a fresh, fresh croissant. Oh, Bit of butter, bit of cheese. Tell you what, they don't do well. What's coffee that? though? No one does well coffee well like uh, compared to New Zealand. You know, you go to America, get a. Oh, you America want a black coffee? Yuck! Don't yeah. give me that. Go froth up their milk, please. 
go there and they the only thing closest to a flat uh, flat white over in, in France is a Le Café. Le Café. Uh, but it's still full of milk. Oh, too much. Oh, I can't stand too much milk. Needs the perfect amount of milk, otherwise it's just like a milky coffee. Back in about uh, 2010, oh. I went and stayed with a mate in Seattle, and he had a coffee shop up the road. He goes, no, nah, that's a proper coffee shop. Like, they do good coffee. And he was right, they do. It was like, it wasn't Starbucks, right? It was a proper coffee shop that did good coffee. And I, so I went up and I just got a kiwi. Went, oh, flat white, please. And they were like, oh, what? I was a like, flat <laughs> <white>. <laughs> a flat white. And they're like, what's a flat white? And so I explained how it was made, and they were like, Okay, and they made it, and then they, the dude like was like, huh. and then so he made another one, and then he had one while I had mine, and then he was like, "This is great. We're going to put this on the menu." <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, coffee, because you know you you Jeffers are talking about coffees, you you boys from the city, um, but when I first came up to Auckland, I didn't, have, I actually didn't understand what what that meant because I'm a black coffee mate, I'm a black coffee guy. So the Americans, I actually quite like their coffee. Um, but I'm sitting in a cafe and I'm sort of made the Kiwi team, you know, like I made the big time, yes, I've made it and we're sitting in a cafe in Auckland. That's where they charge, they're charging back at that day, back in those times it was seven bucks for a beer, you know, when, you, when you're going there later on in the day and, I don't know, three bucks for a coffee, we used to get them for free. But the, it's going around the table, mate, I'm with about eight blokes and they go around and we go, what, do you, what would you like, sir? And, I'll, and one of the boys goes, I'll have a mocha, Chino. And I'm sort of going, mochaccino, like that. And he goes, what about you? I have a cappuccino. So I go, mochaccino, cappuccino, latte, flat white. And it gets to me, and I'm like feeling really inadequate. <laughs> and the girl goes, and what would you like, sir? And of course, I don't want to sound out of place. So I said, I'll have a black and white. <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and, she, and she goes, a black and white? And uh, all the boys are looking at me, and I go, yeah, black and white. She goes, what's that? I said, a black coffee with some milk. <laughs> the boys are going, mate, that's what we're having. That's what we're having. Oh, but I've never lived that one down. I've never lived that one down. But I'm the old, you know the percolators where they come out? Yeah. And they put the put the mm. filter in, put your coffee in. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. The mate, when I went to Newcastle, yep. that's basically weird, with that on 24-7, having that going. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a city <laughs> thing, how you, how you call them all those names. And really, it's just coffee with milk. I got I'm, oh. I, my, my old lady's family's Italian, and so we grew up with stovetop percolators. So you put water in the bottom of this thing, and then coffee in the middle, and then screw a top on it, and the steam it heats the, and then it steams, goes through the coffee, and it makes the best coffee. Like it is just oh. like yeah, it is the go. And uh, yeah, my nonno he used to drink his black, but he used to make it really thick. And you could just about mm. stand a teaspoon up in it. Like oh. It was so oh. good. It was like that Turkish coffee, you know. Oh. <laughs> coffee is so important, lads. I get mine uh, every morning at 7, but I've got a little Breville machine so I can grind the beans and then put it through and make a nice coffee. I'm still yet to master the perfect f- coffee froth, uh, milk froth, the pitcher. A little detail on top of it, so if you come over, I'll give you a little squig when I just make it out to, to be something when I deliver it, because it's a shambles, but it tastes good. It's all about the coffee beans, lads, and I can't go past a Raglan roast coffee mm. over in Raglan. They do good coffee beans. Very, very good. Is that right? That's good to know. Oh, there's, mm. got, there's a guy down in Sandringham doing the pitches on the coffee. You, you know, you get mm-hmm. the coffee and you normally get a... Oh, it looks like a fern leaf to me or, you know, um, an apple. Yep. Is it meant to be an apple? Mm. I don't know. 
It looks like to me when I look at the top of it, it looks like a fern leaf or an apple. Mate, this guy, he gave me one that had a tiger on it. <laughs> a tiger? Mm. Mate, he, wow. he's like an artist. He just does all these coffees. He's down in Sandringham. You know, as you're heading past Eden Park there and you go up to that next set of shops. You know, you've got Papa's Pizza's on the right there. Yeah. And you go into that next set of shops there and there's that little cafe across from the fish and chip shop. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah. And he's in there, mate. And we went in there once and had a coffee. And he, we had these pictures on it. It was like art, mate. You didn't want to drink it. It was like, <laughs> mate, can I take this home? It was that good. Um, but yeah, the, the, those guys that can do that to the, you know, what do you call that? The, the top, the froth on the coffee? Yeah. Unbelievable. And just the time he gets to do it. Like he's got to do that for in less than five minutes. And I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive, mate. You should be charging more for this. Yeah, works of art. Works of art on the on, on the top of your coffee. Speaking of works of art, it should be a work of art today in Boston, shouldn't it? Game seven's going to be absolutely massive, is he? Ooh, it's going to be huge. Rick, and your can't wait question, if that happened, eventuates, I don't think there will ever be anything that will come close to that. 3-0 down, 150 series, no one's come back from it, and... Uh, well, 150 games, sorry, and it's going to be absolutely crazy if it gets done. It's going to happen, isn't it, Rick? Like, you, you can't – they've fought their way back. And then you look at the flip side. Celtics are going to probably go through, take on the Nuggets, who have been simmering away, resting their bodies for a couple of weeks now. Man, it, they've just all been put on the platter for them, hasn't it? It has. The baggies. It has. But, yeah, you're right. The Celtics, thirty-one favourites at the TAB. Three thirty-five yeah. is what the Miami Heat are paying, oh, and so, they was that, that was the other way around last week. Before they got they they got them the um, the Boston boys got them the Celtics. Look, I, look, I just think you know the other story to that too is that's LeBron James' story because he's on that Netflix program at the moment. Yeah. He's doing that Netflix program at the moment, and that's the s- story that he wanted. So imagine him sitting there at the moment going, "Man, that was what was meant to happen with us and yeah. the Lakers." Exactly, exactly. And as you know, somebody who's a Celtics fan. Crimea River, LeBron and the Lakers. Crimea <laughs> River. Uh, kids, it is time for this though. Can't wait question of the day. So that is our can't wait question of the day. Three nil down in a best of seven series in the Eastern Conference Finals. No one has ever come back from that in NBA history to make the finals. If the Celtics do it, they will be the first. So our can't wait question of the day is: What is the one comeback you didn't believe? Until it happened. What is the one comeback you didn't believe until it happened? Uh, I don't know how many Dean Barger texts we're yeah, going to get, but we'll get there'll be a, a couple. But there'll be a couple. <laughs> Man, what, have, what, have, what, have, what have you got, Is? Um, look, I've been thinking about this. I've, I've got one that's, that's personal, really. Mm. Well, we were playing against Ireland in Ireland, and it was our last game of the year, and we kind of – I played horrible. I was playing, I went into that game, Mincy wasn't there, and I got subbed off just after halfway. Anyway, Ireland would beat us, and it would have been the first time in history that Ireland had ever beaten the All Blacks, and it was our last game of the year, and I was thinking, oh no, it's going to be a horrible summer because we've lost to Ireland. So I was on the bench, and we were getting pumped, and we, for some reason, somehow, we just fought our way back into that game. We got just, momentum started shifting, like for the last... I think time was up, and it was that try when Dane Cole scored in the corner. Ryan Crotty gave the offload. Mm. Oh, no, Dane Coles gave the offload, and Ryan Crotty scored in the corner. And we and, we, and then Aaron Cruden went to kick it, and it fell over, and he got a, he got a reset, or they charged early. 
So he got to kick it and he kicked it from the sideline to win it. Just that whole game, I thought we were going to lose. And we came back from nowhere and we defied history and we got the job done. So that's one from a personal point of view, from a mindset. Like, I thought we were going to lose it. And that's the power of the mind. If you think that it's, it's probably going to happen, you shouldn't get it beyond that field. And I got subbed pretty quick and we came on. We came from nowhere and we won that game. And we uh, defied history. Yeah, I remember watching that game. Yeah, yeah so do yeah, I. It was, yeah, we pulled that out of the fire. What about you, Kempi? <laughs> well, mine's a personal <laughs> one too. You know, like the Dean Barker, Jimmy Spittle uh, battle when Dean Barker in that race gets called off, which he which he was winning, and then goes and goes and loses the America's Cup to Jimmy Spittle. That's that's obviously what mm. a lot of people are going to be texting in about today. But mine's a personal one as well because. In 1994, we played the great Wigan side, and I'd travelled over. I was playing for Castleford this year, and we'd made, gone through what they had was called the Regal Trophy Final. So it's a battle, just a knockout competition. We played them at Headingley in a final, and we were just written off, you know, because they've got Andy Farrell, Jason Robinson, Ingatua Gamala, you know, Frano Bodica, um, the, the, the greats of the game that were just going around and telling everyone up in that, that day. And... Um, Apart from, all I remember about that game is apart from going, oh, I'm coming up against the great Wigan side, um, I didn't really give it too much thought. You know, we were travelling really well. We had some good players in our team as well. You know, me, Tawada and Richie Blackmore, um, Lee Crooks, uh, Graham Steadman. There were some really good players in our side too. So we ended up going out there and telling them up 33-2. Um, and, and that was like one for the ages because... Everyone that was there, there was a small town, you know, the coal mining town of Castleford up against uh, the small town of Wigan. But the <laughs> Headingley, if you've ever been to Headingley, they they pack 20,000 and it sounds like 100,000 people. Um, and to get get them by that many points, uh, it's a, it's it's played on YouTube so many times. You've got the great um, commentary there from, from one of the, the local boys talking about some tackles and bits and pieces, but... Yeah, when you when you're talking about one of the biggest comebacks, I, I just remember looking at we were up about twenty odd points at that stage. I remember looking over at the defensive line of the Wigan side, and they were gone. And I'd never seen the Andy Farrells and the Clarks and those guys say, basically, boys, we're we're out. We're going we're going away and coming back next week. So um, that's that's one for me that comes straight to mind. A bit like Izzy, where you know you thought thought that you know you're you're never really going to get it and you end up going out there and either just getting it or flogging them and and that day we uh we did uh the latter which was give Wigan an absolute tonking yeah so uh, that's our can't wait question of the day the comeback you you didn't see happening until it happened uh text us double eight double three you can call us 0800 150 811 we've got a couple in there already uh oracle comeback america's cup of course uh, that has come in any comeback to beat the crusaders can't just say that. Well, you got to come with some some evidence, mate. Like, give us a game. Come Example. on, Trent. Uh, or Tiger Woods to win the Masters. Yeah, twenty nineteen has yeah, come back. Nice. That was that, that was pretty good. Keep those coming through. We'll get to more of those next. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred, one five, oh eight eleven is our phone number. Get in touch with Izzy and Kempi for breakfast thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. The slim range from Chemist Warehouse starting from 1899. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. 6.25 here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. 0800 150 or double eight double three. The can't wait question of the day. The biggest comeback you didn't see coming until it happened. Brent has called through uh, from Christchurch. Uh, Morena, Brent, how you doing? Yeah, you know, boys, g'day, Kempi. My biggest comeback is the Warriors-Quinella game when they come back and beat them at the death. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, of course, Sean Johnson, when he decides to run that ball, uh, that last ball play and goes through the middle and goes around them. And uh, there's actually a couple of those. Um, Brent, you know, that one Storm. down in Canterbury. Remember that in 2023? I think it was like seven minutes to go and we were 11 points down or 12 points down and we get back, score a couple of tries and get back and Stacey has the kick to win it and ends up being a draw. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember. Mate, I'll tell you, and I'll tell you that one on the weekend. If Adam Pompey doesn't reach out with that hand, that would have been one of the. Mate, we were sitting there with five minutes to go and going, there's no chance we'll come back. There's a few Dolphins yeah, games no. this season, too, as well, right? Dolphins have, have, <laughs> have, have made a season of it. Yeah, well, hopefully they don't do it against the Warriors when they play them. That's a sad day. If you're looking at <laughs> what what'd you think of the the um the game in Hawks Bay? Obviously the just apart from the, the the pork chops running on the field, it looked like a fantastic um night, didn't it? Yeah, the Warriors left the run too late. They just weren't good enough on the day. I'm just a bit worried about what the score would have been if the Broncos had a full squad on the park. Yeah, what do you reckon? I mean we're halfway through the season now, Brent. Uh Warriors currently set eight. Do you reckon they're gonna make the playoffs? Hopefully. Yeah, that's what everyone's um, hoping for, but uh, just have to wait and see. They'll have to lift this game a wee bit. But, uh, yeah, they, um, they've got a bloody good coach this year, and uh, hopefully he'll, um, hopefully he's given them a bit of a kick up the arse, and hopefully he'll get them motivated for when they play the Dolphins next week. Yeah, indeed. All right, good stuff, Brent. Thanks very much for your call, bud. Okay, thank you. Cheers. Yeah. 0800 150 is the number, or double eight double three. The biggest comeback. Again. The biggest comeback. The Warriors. Yeah. They've had some. They've had a few, haven't they? One v eight in the playoffs when they, they beat Storm. Yeah, in Melbourne and Witty puts the ball down in the corner. That came from nowhere, mm. man. If you're thinking of comebacks, the Warriors have had plenty. Yeah. So good. They wasn't do. there? Wasn't there one as well as he? And I, I don't remember if you played in this or not. I think you did because I think DC kicked us to a draw against the Irish in Christchurch, didn't he? Speaking of Ireland, I played in it. Yeah. <laughs> I played in that game. Yeah, we were under the pump. It was minus four down here, and it was freezing. Probably the coldest game I've ever played. Like you, you run on the field, and you know when the frost grass it gets frosted, and it's just like crunch, crunch, crunch. That it was like six o'clock at night, and it was crunching. I was like, wow, this is no good for a fullback. Well, I actually got yellow carded that day. I jumped up in the air and took Todd Carney out, and. Uh, we were under the pump. That was in about the 65th minute. So for 10 minutes here, they had 14 men. And DC, the one and only, got us out of nowhere. And we kicked that goal. So that was a part of that one. And also a part of 2010, lads. When we, obviously, there's been a few clips when I scored that try in the last minute. But we were down by two tries with 10 minutes to go. And uh, we went, went on to win that game. So, this, yeah, been lucky to be in a couple. It was pretty cool. Yeah. There's been a few. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Oh, my uh, text machine's just disappeared on me. Um... Israel Adesanya versus Pereira. Not in UFC history as a champ. Lost his bout and come back to win it. That was from John. Uh, greatest comeback ever. Winston Peters every four years. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Winston. That's, Come that's on, a Marky. very good one. That's from Marky. <laughs> hey, guys. Dick Taylor, 10,000 metres from Christchurch. Uh, that's Glenn from Christchurch. Yeah, that's right. Dick Taylor, He's uh, he was a fantastic athlete. 2015 Highlanders. No one believed. Lemus uh, Supuanga. Uh, what's that 1-37 what does that mean is he 1-37 Lima Sapuanga when he um, when they won the game 
So one to thirty-seven, probably one to thirty-seven players. I think that's what really that alludes to. But they went to. I was actually talking to Ash Jackson oh, on Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that show they did for Sky Sport, mate. Um, I, I was talking to Ash Dixon on Sunday. He came over for dinner, and obviously Ash was a big influence on that uh, Hollanders outfit. I said, mate, talk to me about 2015. And he was talking to me about that week. I said, what was the week like leading up to it? And he said, mate, it was a crazy week, because that was the week that Jerry Collins died. So there was a lot of emotion going on in the Hurricanes region. There was a lot, a lot of things, and obviously Jerry had done so much for us as a as a country, particularly for the Hurricanes, but we just, you know, like it was a simple, we just wanted to, just no one believed in them. And the weekend before, they went to Sydney, they played their best game, and they beat the, the Waratahs, and uh, that was probably their most complete performance, so no one picked them to go to Wellington, and he just reckons like the whole week, it was the perfect week in terms of preparation and, and team, and Jamie Joseph was very clever with his theming, the way that they went about it, and they went there, and no one picked them. They had Bowden Barrett, who was running the cutter. They had Julian Savir, who was bowling everyone out of the way. They had Ma'a Nonu, who was causing destruction, and then there was a bunch of nobodies. Well, everyone thought they were nobodies from the Highlanders going to Wellington, and he reckons it was just the most perfect week capped off by Marty Banks kicking that drop goal in the final. So, mate, that, that's a great text, Ryan. Thanks for bringing that up, mate. Yeah, nice. Uh, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. A few votes for Kiwi back in 1983, the Melbourne Cup. Kiwi is last and can see them all next minute. Here comes Kiwi from last and a phenomenal performance, that one from Jerry. Um, keep those coming through. Double eight, double three. Time to catch up with the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Thanks to Kubota, we are shaping and building New Zealand. The Celtics and the Heat face each other in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals today to see which team will compete in the 2023 NBA Finals against the Nuggets. Game one of the NBA Finals takes place Friday in Denver. And the Heat have appara- are apparently intending to be there. They've already booked their flights. So <laughs> instead, instead of flying back to Miami on Tuesday uh, or today after the game, their flights are booked to fly straight to Denver. That's according to Fox Sports' Andy Slater in the US, who's checked up the FAA records, which is the flight information over there. If Miami lose to Boston on Monday night, it will mark the first time in NBA history a team has won a playoff series after trailing three zips. Scott Foster, Tony Brothers and John Goble have been tapped to officiate Monday's Game 7. Here's a stat for you. Home teams have won 70.7% of the games that Foster has officiated this season. So it's another thing in the, in the favour of uh, the Celtics. And Boston have also got the support of former Red Sox stars Johnny Damon and David Ortiz, whose 2004 Boston team is the only squad in MLB history to overcome a three-zip playoff deficit to win a series as well. So there might be uh, a little bit a little bit brewing there uh, for this uh, to go Is that through. the same referee in the, in the clip? I don't know if it's the same referee. That shook his head when they when they go when they sunk one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They one, and he was like distraught. I was like, "Wow, what's going on here, umpire?" Multi, he just does multi just got done. So there you go. Those your sports news headlines. Uh, thanks to Bunnings Trade Trades and Builders Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Uh, so there you go, boys. A uh, couple of sports headlines for you and plenty more coming through on the text machine. Uh, John says, Israel Adesanya v. Um, mm. Pereira in the UFC. No champ has lost his belt and come back to win it until Izzy did that, which that was a superb performance. 
That was awesome. They just bumped into each other at the airport, I saw on the socials <laughs> as well. Had a little fist pump and uh, pretty civil uh, interaction there, but um, no, that was great. That was a great message. I love this one from Brett, actually, and it's it's a good thing about the, the NFL way. There's been some great companies, but there'll be nothing that will top this off. 2017 Super Bowl, 28-3 down. Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Glad the Falcons aren't my team. Neither are the Cats, though. I mean the Pats. Not the Dolphins, <laughs> but that is, that is talking about the Pats beating. Coming from no, nowhere, the catch of the century with Julian Edelman and Tom Brady when he caught that ball from absolutely nothing, and they went on to win that. That was one of the greatest comebacks. But uh, there's a few more. Rick Dot, we haven't spoke to you. Surely you've got one of the greatest comebacks. Oh, mate, there's, I mean, you've witnessed plenty. The, the, one of the greatest comebacks I've, uh, I, I can remember was the 1999 Champions League final. Manchester United up against Bayern Munich. I was Munich watching that, yeah, at Solskjaer. Nu- at the New Camp, yeah, and, and United are 1-0 down, 1-0 down most of the game, and it gets to injury time, and they score two in injury time uh, to win the to win the Champions League 2-1. I mean, I was, I was at the old oh. immigrant bar in town here, and uh, that place held about... Oh, probably 400, and there would have been 400 United fans in there from the from the go. It was 10 bucks to get in, and you got uh, a fried Irish breakfast and a, and your first pint. So everybody was like, you know, in there from about five in the morning, uh, climbing into it, and uh, there were 400 Reds in there watching the game on the on the big screens. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she was, she was a great day. I tell you what, I, uh, we ended up. Um, I think we watched that game again and then watched it again because they'd recorded it. And so we were, we were on it from about 5 in the morning to about 3 in the afternoon. Um, it was good fun. There, <laughs> there may have been a conga line up Queen Street at some point, potentially. <laughs> you were leading it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was definitely in there. So, yeah, that, that's probably it's up there for one of the biggest comebacks. That, you know, I think everybody thought we were dead and buried. Um, uh, for, but for it to come back like that it was uh, was absolutely superb. It was it was great. And actually, on, uh, Andre has texted through about the Sheffield Wednesday story. Now I did have this in the sports headlines uh, for next hour. But Sheffield Wednesday, who were one, the first, they were in the, back in the Premier League when it first started. They were in the Premier League, got relegated in two thousand. They've not been back since. No. Uh, this season they they finished third with ninety six points, but still had to go into the playoffs because they they couldn't quite crack the top two. In the first leg of the semi-final of the playoffs, they lost 4-0 to Peterborough. So they needed to score five in the, in, uh, at home against Peterborough. They won the second game 5-1 against Peterborough and sent it to penalties oh. and then won on penalties. And then this morning <laughs> scored in the uh, uh, 121st minute to win 1-0 over Barnsley. So they are now in the championship next season. Unbelievable. Yeah, I remember the, awesome. the, the blue and white. The blue and white with the yellow stripe. Oh, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. That's right. Um, yeah, Sheffield, obviously a, a big league town too. Some good players coming out of there. Darren, Daryl Powell uh, is uh, probably one of the biggest names along with Keith Senior. So uh, went there and obviously if you if you go there for a league boy, you obviously know what the football team is too. So good to see them being promoted there. Rick Dog. Yep, so keep those coming through. Double eight, double three. We'll get to more of those shortly right now though. It is time for Quizzy Dag. You want to win yourself a $50 TAB bonus bet. Give us a call now. 0800 150 811. 0800-150-811. It's 21 away from seven. This is how you do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy that complain. Quizzes on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 
50 bucks if you're wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811 Now give us a call. I got one for you, Rick Dog. Istanbul 2005. Liverpool from nowhere. I've got I've got one for you, Izzy. I think it was about <laughs> 2010. Now we call it the miracle of Istanbul when uh, Liverpool 3-0 up against Crystal Palace and Palace brought it back to 3-0 and meant Liverpool didn't win the yeah, good, bro. Good. All good. Ready to rip in. Okay, we're going to change the quiz up today. If you get to the fifth question and you are lucky enough to have a go at the fifth question and you don't get it wrong, it's going to jackpot. That's the end of the quiz, okay? So here we go. Question number one. Why was Ukrainian tennis player Martha Kostyuk booed at the French Open? Nah, not full fault, bro. Sorry, Jade. Have a good day. Queer Lammy. Oh, here we go. Lammy. Good to hear your voice, Lammy. Good to hear your oh, voice. Thank you. I missed you last week, brother. Oh, I missed you too. I missed you, Lammy. Here we go. Question number one. Why was Ukrainian tennis player Marfa? I hope I pronounced it right. Kostyuk booed at the French Open. Oh, she never shook hands with the other lady. Yeah, I'll give you that. Refusing to shake the hand of her Belarusian opponent. Question number two. In the 2019 Rugby World Cup, which nation topped Group A? Oh, jeez, give me that one. Man, Group A, I'll just go... um England? No, not even in the same pool. <laughs> All right, Labby, have a good day, mate. See you later. Mark from Tauranga. Winnie supporter. How you going, you Marky? Buddy, good. Yeah, mate, he's just he's the comeback king, isn't he? He'll come and uh, yes. help National take it out this year, too, right, <laughs> <laughs> All good, mate. All good. I don't want to get involved in this. I've got a $20,000 fine nearly. Anyway, question number two. In the 2019 Rugby World Cup, which nation topped Group A? Yeah, I've got no idea either. I can't remember that far back. We'll go with uh, Japan. Japan is correct. Finished ahead of Ireland, Scotland, Samoa and Russia. Question number three. Where did Scott McLaughlin finish in the Indy 500 yesterday? Was it 16th? Ooh. Close, but no cigar. Sorry, Marky. Have a good day, mate. Go get a um, uh, go get a black and white coffee. <laughs> Tim from Christchurch. Morning. How are we going, boys? Good morning, Timmy. Good. Hey, uh, question number. Th- 
14th is correct. Question number four. In 1997, Super League introduced the Tri-Series in place of State of Origin to include New Zealand. Which former All Black dotted down against Queensland? No idea. Me, old mate Kempe will be able to give us a good clue on that one. Uh, Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Here, uh, <laughs> yeah, boys. I'll give you another clue. I'll give you another clue. I'll give you another clue. Former Lindisfarne College product. Lindisfarne. Again, no idea. Is it Mark Allen? You got to get. He didn't go to Lindisfarne. Come on, man. He did play in that series. <laughs> Sorry, t- he did play in that series, though. But Bob Marley, yeah. but Bob Marley yeah. did. <laughs> All good, Timmy. Have a good day. Richie from Upper Heart. Hey, Richie. Uh, 997. Which four more black dotted down, down? John Timu. That is correct. Question number five, Richie. You get this right, you get the 50, you get it wrong. It jackpots to tomorrow. 100 bucks. Uh, bonus bet up for grabs. Here we go. Which Premier League club beat Manchester City home and away in the league this season? Home and away. Four. Uh, three. Man two. City. One. Man City. A? Man City. Who beat... Who, which Bobby Premier beat club Man. beat Manchester City home and away in the league this season? Leicester. Sorry, it isn't Leicester, Richie from Upper Hutt. So that means tomorrow we are jackpotting. A $100 bonus bet up for grabs. If you think you've got what it takes to take on the Quizmaster, give us a call tomorrow and we'll rip straight into it. 100 bucks coming up for grabs tomorrow. So stay tuned. But coming up, we got Love Racing with the one and only Tony Pierre Kemp. Stay tuned. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, it's four minutes away from 7 o'clock. 0800 811. Call us any time for Find a Thoroughbred Race Day at events.loveracing.nz. And yes, if you just missed uh, Quizzy Dag, we've jackpotted that to $100 for tomorrow. If you go and check out our Instagram, our SENZ Breakfast, that's what you've just got to tag in there. Uh, we'll put up a clue for you for tomorrow just to give you a little bit of a hand. So get on Instagram, SENZ Breakfast, and uh, check out me and Izzy, and we'll uh, have a clue for you tomorrow just to help you try and get that TAB bonus bet, which is jackpotted to $100. A significant decision has been reached regarding the establishment of a new racing club named Waikato Thoroughbred Racing, WTR, following the official merger approval between Waikato Racing Club, Cambridge Jockey Club, and Waipa Racing Club. The amalgamation was endorsed by the board of members of all three clubs during the respective special general meetings with the intention of bringing extensive benefits to the racing region of Waikato. The merger will take effect on August 1, 2023. Collectively, the merger of the three clubs places a newly formed club in a significant better position to accomplish our primary objectives, surpassing the capabilities of individual club or combination of two clubs. The merger club will have improved scale and strength and has a flexibility to advance its racing and training operations and these positive effects will extend beyond the club itself benefiting the racing industry throughout the entire country. That was what they had to say about uh, the big change yesterday. There's lots going on in the racing industry at the moment. Merging these clubs for me is one of the 
um, most positive steps in and around the Entain deal to come out only last week uh, to take our game forward, which is the racing game, and uh, down there in the Waikato, it is so strong. We've got racing in Hawke's Bay today. Obviously, we're picking up uh, with that race that was abandoned last week, and we'll, we'll get where the money's going from Paul Mamawati when we see him later on in the show, just to uh, give us a, a little bit of a run into uh, what he thinks can win it. I do like one that's running in the last at uh, Hawke's Bay today. It is called Tough Test Harry. It's ridden by Vinnie Colgan. It's James uh, and Wellswood that train it. It uh, is at 420, 180 fixed, and uh, it's only had one start on a... On a Soft track, it's soft six down there at the moment today. Obviously, with all that sun we had down on the weekend, um, would have dried that track out too. So I'm not expecting it to get any worse than it is today. So uh, if you're having a a bet today, just remember bet uh, <laughs> responsibly. R18, and uh, if you're having a look, uh, you know through that race uh, card meeting, it has been there. It was meant to be run last, I think it was Friday, but got abandoned because of a. Uh, slippery track so hopefully they get through those races today that's our love racing uh update yeah grab your mates and get on course visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you yeah oh good stuff uh can we uh i'm just having a look uh that they've uh can't put a bet on that race and i can put it on, i can't put it on the fixed odds but i can put it on the tote at the moment so hopefully by the time we get paulie mawadi on that's freed up because I, I do have a bonus bet that i need to get away so uh, I, I might follow you in today. Uh, keep uh, tuned for more on that. We will have Paul Mawadi before 9 o'clock out of the TAB. Coming up real soon, though, we are going to be talking basketball because the Celtics and the Heat go head-to-head in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals today. And John Corrales, Boston Celtics writer and podcaster, is going to join us after the latest in news and sport with Aroha for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Of 30% off the Thompson's vitamin range. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel. Oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio. Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast. SCNZ. I just apologise. I think I squealed on here. Um, <laughs> I was elevating my leg and it slipped off. And when it went from 
been elevated to bending and just going into a position it's not quite ready for. It's absolutely Oh, hurt. that hurts. Oh, 100%. Oh, so apologies if you, you heard a you little going off about, about squeal. My <laughs> no, sorry, Kempi. Honestly, it was the worst pain ever. And, um, oh, I'm just trying to find the best position to elevate it. But uh, apologies if you heard that funny sound. Anyway, we're going to pick our... Coming up, we're going to talk some NBA shortly, and we're going to catch up and chat with Nick Wilson, who has just retired from the Black Sticks. He's had a hell of a career, so we're looking forward to reflecting on that. And after 8 o'clock, we got Clark Laidlaw. But right now, it's time to talk some NBA, because who would have thought? We spoke about comebacks for our Can't Wait question of the day. There's been some great comebacks coming through the Temperbed post-text machine. Double eight, double three, or 0800 It's been great to reflect. I've had my own personal comebacks. I'm about to make the biggest comeback of my life, but will there be anything more that will top this off? That what's about to happen? We got John Corrales. He's a Boston Celtic writer over in Boston, and he's going to talk to us all about the situation that's about to unfold today. I cannot believe it. He probably can't believe it, but he will be really confident. John, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? We're good. We are good, my friend. Um, look, can you believe? I know you're going to say yes, but can you believe that you're here? 3-3. Three, three. Um, so, yes, but uh, no, it's a, uh, uh, I, I can't believe that we're, we got here this way, right? Like, I can't believe that it, it's two three-game winning streaks. In a playoff mm. series, you don't see that ever, obviously. So, um, and then to have the last game end the way it did, it's it's about as improbable a path to a game seven as you're going to find. So, I'm not shocked that Boston and Miami went seven. I am quite shocked at the path they took. Hey, John, <laughs> just take us just take us through that last game. Like when we were watching the game, and it came down. To that three, those three point, um, those shots at the end, and then you get the the, the clock stopped. That it had two point one seconds on on the shot clock, and they pushed it out to three seconds. Is there a reason that uh, point? Yeah, it was three seconds. Was there a reason they gave it that point nine of a second? Because if you take that into account, that uh, shot that Derek White put up on the rebound doesn't count. Yeah. Um, so there, they determined that. The contact that Al Horford made that was uh, deemed illegal happened at the three-second mark. So they went with the first contact, the, you know, and, and maybe, maybe they thought that some other stuff had happened prior to the play that maybe Jimmy Butler got away with that they couldn't, result, couldn't um, overturn. There's some conversation about a double dribble or a travel, which whatever. But they, they looked at the play. You can say, if you look at it real slowly, Al Horford's first contact came at exactly the three-second mark. So that's, that's why they put that on the clock. John, what about the Boston Celtics this season? Because last season they, you know, got to the finals uh, with the best offensive team in the league, but maybe just didn't have quite enough creativity uh, on uh, on the offense to get it done. But this season they really seem to have fallen away on the defensive end at, at crucial times. 
Yeah, this this year's team's different, right? This year's team is an offense first team. It has been an offense first team. Now they have gotten back to a little bit of defense here in the in the last few games, especially games five and six. Uh, but even even in that game uh, game, I'm sorry, games four and five. Uh, but in game six, you even had them really shutting down the paint. At, at one point, I think it was the lowest percentage in the paint in the Eric Spolstra era. So that was that was an impressive level of defense for the Celtics. But all season long, they they really focused on their offense, and they've let their offense kind of fuel their defense. And, and that's probably why some of their their lapses happen. That when when they struggle to get some shots later in the game, they might get a little frustrated. They might get a little rushed. And and when that happens, the, you tend to make some mistakes, and, and that leads to the late fouls. That's why Jimmy Butler has had a, a real, even in a bad game that he was having in game six, that's why he's able to, to still kind of find his way to the free throw line and score those 15 fourth quarter points. So I, I think the Celtics have done a good job turning it around a little bit and playing more defense first lately, but their focus has mostly been on the offense all season long. Mate, they've done a, a great job um, negating the Jimmy Butler threat they're putting two bodies on him, not allowing him to get chances in the paint. And when they do, he's obviously going to the to the free throw line. But then others around him are having to step up. Adebayo has um has been pretty non-existent in the last couple of games. And, and you talked about the the second point opportunity or second chances to have another crack at possession. They haven't quite had that. Has that been real part of the plan for the Boston Celtics to negate those two? They've got a really good chance to to winning winning the game. Yeah, they've done a they've done a really good job of trying to kind of keep those two in check. Now they should be focusing a little bit more on maybe Caleb Martin, Gabe Vince. Like they they've kind of I don't want to say let because that takes away from what Martin and, and Vincent have been able to do, but they've they've kind of lost those two guys too often, and they've they've been able to keep Miami in in the game. They can't do that, but the the job that they're doing on Butler and Adebayo has been really, really good, uh, especially in the last few games. They're, they're staying down on the upfakes. I think what they're understanding now is that Jimmy Butler doesn't have much left. He clearly doesn't have the same level of lift because he's not finishing in the paint like he used to. He's getting blocked straight up. You know, he's, it's not like he's getting blocked, somebody's coming over on the help or anything like that. His own defender is blocking him multiple times, which you just don't see very often. So it's very obvious to me that Jimmy Butler is – Nowhere near 100%. So, excuse me, they're staying down on his pump fakes. They're, they're not bailing him out, and he's kicking it out, and, and that's limiting him through the first few quarters of the game. And Bam Adebayo, they've done a good job kind of attacking his dribble anytime he brings the ball down. They're just digging at it, making him uncomfortable, and, and so those, those two defensive strategies have worked out very well. What about that moment when Jimmy Butler gets down on his ankles and toes and takes a photo, looks over at Al Horford? Is that be- about to become the greatest meme of all time? The timeout one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, the that, So Al, Al Horford hit Miami with the timeout early, earlier in that, in that series, in that game, I think. Mm. And that was Jimmy's response because – 
anytime an NBA player has a chance to do something petty, they're going to take that opportunity. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, I think when you are willing to put yourself out there and, and make yeah. that kind of you know gesture, you got to be willing to take, you know, the risk of that coming back and biting you. Now in the moment, <laughs> That was fine. It was fine. They, they came back. They won the game. So it worked out for Jimmy. But, boy, the Celtics coming back to win four, you know, four games to three, that, that picture is going to haunt Jimmy Butler for a long time. I, I can already tell you that I know <laughs> there are probably thousands of Celtics fans with that <laughs> meme in their draft waiting to send as soon as the buzzer hits. Uh, it's going to be superb. Uh, 13 past 7 here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. We are talking uh, the NBA playoffs, the Eastern Conference Finals with John Corrales, Boston Celtics podcaster and writer. And uh, John, i got to ask about, you've mentioned him. I mean, Jalen Brown, he gets a lot of headlines, as does Jason Tatum. But Al Horford... Uh, maybe doesn't get the plaudits, but man, he, he's been absolutely immense uh, right throughout this playoff season, particularly against the 76ers. Just how important is he to this team? He's huge. He's huge. The block shot that he had on out of bio uh, there in, in game six was just gigantic. And it was after after Horford turned the ball over. He needed to make a play to make up for it, and he, he got up there. He's still capable of making those plays, but I think more importantly – if he's hitting three-pointers, you got no chance. If Al Horford hits two or three three-pointers in a game, there's a good chance you're losing. I don't even know what the win-loss record is, but I'm, there's a good chance that, that the, the, it's a very high win percentage for Boston because that means when Tatum and Brown are driving and you're doubling, sending extra help, and they're kicking it out, Horford is that overflow offense where he's just catch-and-shoot three-pointer. If he's making three of five, four of six, then, then you're toast because now you have to go out there and guard him, which means you're opening up lanes for Tatum and Brown. And if the next guy has to help, then that means Derek White and Marcus Smart and, and other guys are getting their open looks at three. And if all of that is happening, then, then it just becomes a barrage. You know, you're, you're doing everything you can to shut down Tatum and Brown, and all of a sudden all these other guys are starting to bury their threes. And so you have to stay home on them, and that just – all of a sudden Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown get single covered. And at that point, forget it. You, that, that becomes an avalanche of points and, and a blowout. John, you mentioned uh, the pettiness of NBA players. Nothing, nothing more petty than an NBA player than an NBA fan. Uh, you've already mentioned the Celtic fans uh, uh, ready to press go on that meme. Um, what do you think means more to them? Uh, winning the the uh, the NBA Finals for the sake of winning the NBA Finals, or winning the NBA Finals because it means they're going to have one more than the Lakers. Oh well, I mean, I mean, obviously, every cha- <laughs> everybody wants a championship. Let me tell you something, how, how it's perceived in Boston. People in Boston already, already know that the Celtics have more chance championships than the Los Angeles Lakers because the Minneapolis Lakers have uh, a, a bunch of those. And it wasn't until the 80s <laughs> that the L.A. Lakers even acknowledged the Minnesota championships. It wasn't until they realized, oh, wait, if we count those, we're at almost as many as Boston. 
So, and I'm telling you, you can Google it. You can go back to like <laughs> the mid eighties, uh, letterhead. And you can see that the, the Lakers called themselves like seven time champs or so whatever it was. And so I, that's something that Boston hangs its hat on. So, but if anything that adds to the total that, that can put them one up on the Lakers, yeah, yeah, pile it on. Keep keep bringing it because uh, I think Celtics fans, there's 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 nothing. It, it's it's winning a championship. It's 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 somehow uh, demoralizing the Lakers in the process. And then if you, if you roll in some Philly 76ers stuff, then that's that's a great trifecta. If the Celtics win the championship, then this playoff run would be just chef's kiss, perfect for people in Boston. Well, let's talk about that championship, mate. I love it. I love that little battle we got. I'm a Lakers fan, but I'm not that diehard. I don't really care about it. if I've got one more than Boston. Come on. Just want to win it. But uh, we're not. We haven't got a chance. You're potentially going to have a chance. You're going to win today. We know that. You're going to go to the garden. You're going to get the job done. But then you've got a hell of a challenge ahead of you. The Denver Nuggets have been sitting away, prepping nicely, getting yeah. their bodies ready. The Jokers just simmering away, ready. You're going to walk into a Hell of a battle. Will there be enough le- juice left in the tank to take on the Nuggets? Have you got the team? That's that's going to be the million-dollar question. Because um, <laughs> this this is – the, the knock on the Celtics is that this this run has been about three or four games too long already. Yeah. You know, you played mm-hmm. one more than you had to against Atlanta. You definitely played at least one more than you had to against Philly – maybe two. You definitely played at least one too many against Miami because you should have won game two. So that piles up for sure. Um, The only thing that I can say is unlike last season, when I thought the Celtics were in trouble when they faced the Warriors, because the Warriors had all of that, that experience and that talent, the Nuggets have a ton of talent, but no experience. And the Celtics match up really well. They match up really, really well against Denver. They've played Denver really, really well over the past few years. So as long as the Celtics can come out, and if, assuming they beat Miami, which is a big assumption, assuming they beat Miami, if they can come out and, and play their best basketball early against Denver, they can, they can build leads in all of these games. It's just a matter of can they hold them. And and that's been the that's been the biggest problem for Boston. Yeah, what what do you point that, what do you put that down to, John? Not being able to hold leads because man, they've had some leads uh, even against you know go back to that seventy sixes series. They you know the seventy sixes should have been dead and buried yeah. a few times. Well, we finally heard from Jalen Brown, who maybe it took Charles Barkley asking the question that he said, you know, we get apprehensive in the fourth quarter, and mm. you you fall into the trap of. You don't want to be the guy who makes the mistake, which ends up making you the guy who makes the mistake. They, they play too tight. They start, you know, when their offense is going great, they're playing with incredible pace. Yeah, after a make, you'll see Marcus Smart grab the ball and go. Get the ball over half court by 19 seconds. Get, get into the early offense. See if you can get a cross match. See if you can find an advantage. See if you can find a two-on-one somewhere. And then – in the last five, six minutes of a game with a lead, all of a sudden they're just barely getting the ball over court in eight seconds. And they're starting their offense at 13 and 12. And all of a sudden 
everything is rushed because the defense starts to look really good when the shot clock is winding down. And it's very easy for a defender to be like, okay, it's five seconds, it's four seconds. You can see the clock behind the guy. You can get up and challenge because you know that they're running out of time. So the Celtics get into this trap of winding the clock down and backing themselves into corners and taking tough shots and missing, and now, now you have to get back into transition. And because you're not set, you end up fouling. It's, it's, it's a kind of a cycle. They need to continue to play their normal basketball. I'll go to the Nuggets and how they finished off the Lakers in game three of their series. It was close, and they just kept playing their style of basketball and just putting the Lakers away. That's what Boston needs to do. They get away from it too much. They're a little too – they play scared. They have to play with confidence to close these games out. John Corrales with us uh, from – from the uh, Locked On Celtics podcast, our author of the Boston Celtics all-time All-Stars as well. So thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Go well. Uh, enjoy Game 7 and uh, bring on the Nuggets. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No worries. John Corrales. Yeah, John. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's all over the Boston Celtics. And, uh, yeah, well worth the follow on Twitter as well. Uh, you you feeling you feeling it now? Is it you gonna you gonna trade in that ugly purple and yellow for some some beautiful green? <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, I just think if they can, they're gonna win today. But man, like you spoke about, just games they probably let go. Have, it might cost them in the end. Just juice in the tank. It's gonna be tough, mate. The, the Nuggets four and zero. They've been simmering away, resting up for weeks. So. It's going to be hard on my whole battle. It will be. Uh, keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, uh, the uh, house of the real house of fragrance. Chemist Warehouse June catalog sale is on now. Find a massive thirty percent off the Thompson's vitamin range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. with Tony Kemp. While the weekend was marred by a small group of idiots that thought running onto the pitch during the Warriors game was entertainment, one of the big positives in my books was noticing the broadening demographic in the New in New Zealand for NRL supporters. The sport supporter previously were predominantly Māori or Pacific. But it is very clear that this is no longer the case. I've definitely noticed the amount of branded gear at Warriors home games on display, but until now, I really didn't take too much notice of who was actually wearing it. And in a hugely competitive battle for media rights and supporters, I don't think that the NRL could do any better than taking a fresh look at the New Zealand supporter base. I believe they could capture new massive commercial benefits both on and off the field. The battle for the right to own a share of media space in New Zealand in my opinion, is in the balance. The New Zealand rugby and the NRL must both see that there's an opportunity to strengthen their own position in gaining more commercial bang, uh, commercial bang for its buck. And for me, rugby league is winning the battle. Will we get another NRL franchise? And will it be in New Zealand? If you went to the game in the Hawks Bay, you sat in the airports and witnessed the passionate and ever-broadening fan base then you would have to think so. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. They are the most followed and passionate supporters in New Zealand 
and and you think traditionally when the Warriors were based, they are based in Auckland, but they they travel everywhere around the New, Ze- uh, New Zealand motu, and man, they got supporters everywhere. And I'm I'm dead set keen for another inclusion to to the NRL, and surely I hope this because of those certain larrikins that ran onto the field that this doesn't halt the opportunity to spread the game around Aotearoa and, and New Zealand and see it being played in these smaller regions. But Kempi, well, I um. The question I have with that, would the Warriors be for or, or against it, knowing that a potential team coming in would potentially dilute their fan base, dilute their supporters, the, the commercial rights for the Warriors? Would that be a hindrance for the for the Warriors or would they be supporting it? How do you see that? Well, the, the, the thing about an NRA franchise, of course they'd be against it because they want the New Zealand... The, the whole of New Zealand to be supporting the one team. Mm. What I'm saying from a commercial perspective, this is what I didn't really get until we went to the Hawks Bay. You see, because you're going to the the Mount Smart Stadium, and like a lot of people have said, the one thing you notice when you go there is merchandise. Like everyone is wearing merchandise, jerseys, old jerseys, scarves, hats, and you go, yeah, man, they're doing really well merchandising. What I didn't understand was the changing demographic, the broadening demographic of those people that are wearing it. When we walked in the Koru, Koru Lounge to get down there, it was packed full of Warrior supporters in the Koru Lounge. You know what I mean? Mm. You get on the plane, every person on the plane's got some type of hat on which says Warriors. And I think commercially, at the moment, that broadening fan base, it hasn't, it hasn't been discovered. Like mm. rugby league hasn't really sat back and gone, Mate, the, the commercial benefits through rugby league at the moment, by, by and I think it's a crossover of that's what's happening from New Zealand yep. rugby people being a little bit disgruntled with super rugby, and they're going, well, I want to actually go and support the Warriors. I get to wear the brand, I get to you know, go on the journey with them, and I'm actually enjoying that sport. I just think there's that um, opportunity. So how do they capitalise on it? How do they capitalise on this, Kempi, for the Warriors? They've got to get out and do more, don't they? Oh, look, I... I I would like to know who the NZR are losing as far as commercial partners. I th- I, that's where I think they capitalise. I think I think now you can go to any. So you couldn't go to the NZR sponsors and and basically sit at the table with them and say, well, here's not another opportunity. It's called the New Zealand Warriors. I think at the moment, if you went there, Rick, I think the Warriors. If you had a proposal for the Warriors, proposal for the All Blacks, I think it's fifty fifty. Yeah, I think so, mate. To be honest, I, I think it's less about what the Warriors have to do. They just have to sit back and let the New Zealand Rugby Union continue to shoot themselves in the foot because there's no interest at the moment, no storylines in Super Rugby. It's all about the NRL at the moment. That's what's happening in the media. Uh, but uh, anyway, well, as he winces at that thought, uh, we will get away to the latest in news and sport with Araha. Thanks to Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Don't 
The Breakfast of Champions, indeed, as sung by uh, George Thorogood. 25 away from eight here. Thank you to Araha for those headlines. Time for some sports headlines now. Thanks to Kennard's hire. Too easy weekend. And England head coach uh, Brendan McCullum believes Captain Ben Stokes will bowl at some stage during the Ashes this summer, despite recent fitness struggles. All eyes are on Captain Stokes during England's training session on Monday with doubts over how much he will bowl this summer following an IPL series where he only played twice and only bowled one over. Head coach McCallum remains positive that the talismanical rounder will make an impact with the ball this summer. He said, I don't know, you'll have to ask Stokesy when he's ready to bowl uh, and if he'll bowl against Ireland. He's progressing well, though. He's delighted to be back around the group, and as our leader, having that sort of energy brings, uh, it, he brings, it's fantastic. So we'll monitor that and see what happens. I think he'll bowl at some stage through the summer. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so there you go. It doesn't get any more uh, positive than that from uh, from old mate Baz. Uh, now, uh, here's something too, a good news story off the back of a bad news story, but uh, getting together New Zealand Warriors in the NRL have created a Daniel Anderson support fund to assist the former coach left paralysed by a body surfing accident in December. Anderson's 56 now and he guided the Warriors through 92 games from 2001 to 2004 including their first grand final in 2002 before he went and took St Helens to -to back-to-back Challenge Cup victories and then took the Parramatta Eels to the NRL final in 2009. For the last six months he suffered from compression of the spinal cord with limited Limited mobility through his body and an unclear outlook for recovery. Well, New Zealand and Australian rugby league community has rallied around him and they've got lots of fundraising initiatives to support Anderson, who's been categorised as an incomplete quadriplegic. The NRL has designated round 25 as Daniel Anderson round and the Warriors have rescheduled their annual Old Boys Day to fall August 18 when they play the Seagulls at Go Media Stadium, Mount Smart. Many of the players expected to attend were coached by Anderson. This is what Cam George had to say. Daniel is a huge part of this club's history and the Anderson family a big part of the success of the organisation today. We will certainly be playing our part as a club to contribute and supporting Daniel and his family at this time. He's currently employed as the head of recruitment at the Roosters, but don't hold that against him. Uh, it's been a tough period for the Roosters, That's uh, but the thing with Ando is that he's made it easier for everyone, admitted uh, Trent Robinson, and we feel sorry for him, but he doesn't feel sorry for himself. And you know Daniel Anderson pretty well, Kempe. Uh, uh, that, yeah. That'll resonate with you. It does, and I've spoken to him through his, uh, his challenge at the moment. I sent him a video over uh, when he was first uh, in North Shore Hospital over there in Sydney. I'm going to go and see him in a couple of weeks' time as well. Um, yeah, look, he's, he's battling through it. It's a pretty unfortunate um, set of circumstances, you know, out uh, body surfing with his brothers and his nephews and, and, you know, was lucky to actually be pulled from the water by a couple of couple of paramedics who were just happily, um, luckily standing on the beach. And I think it's a great, great initiative from the NRL to call it the Daniel Anderson round. I think it's around 25. Obviously, Old Boys Day has been transferred to that as well. So you're going to get all the Old Boys supporting it over here. And uh, there are a lot of people here that will support Daniel Anderson down in New Zealand. So, um, you know, it's a long road ahead for him. And the amount of uh, support we can get for Daniel uh, through the NRL to help him and his family um, Natalie and his kids, uh, especially, uh, to help Daniel through this this journey is going to going to be immense. So, uh, well, well said, Rick, about that uh, putting that out there in the domain. A lot of people wouldn't have actually 
knowing that Daniel uh, had that uh, accident over Christmas time and has been sitting in uh, hospital ever since. So it's a long road to recovery for him. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, hopefully get an update in, on him uh, when I travel to Sydney in a couple of weeks. Yeah, look forward to that. That's your Ken Tire. Two easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Those are your headlines. When we come back, we're going to talk to a triple Olympian who has just called time on his career. Nick Wilson joins us after this. You are 21 away from eight on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Now retired, but uh, just struggling to get hold of him, so we'll keep uh, trying that uh, before uh, 8 o'clock. But uh, some news yesterday, boys, that could come out uh, that could change the way the origin goes because a big part of that New South Wales machine is missing. Is he? No Latrell Mitchell. Mm, huge news. Huge news. Obviously, Stephen Crichton comes in. Does that force Travojevic to the back? Kempe? Or Dylan Edwards, does he have a crack and keep him at the centre? Well, what, what goes on there? Obviously, huge ramifications. And obviously, uh, Nathan Cleary as well has got a sore tooth. So, mm. a bit of turmoil in New South Wales, which I don't really mind, to be honest. Yeah, the mind, the mind games too. You've got to take in a, into context of uh, what's actually happening there. Payne Haas Playing games, are they? Payne Haas apparently he went down in the... In the uh, run yesterday as well, but uh, he seems to be all right. So you're talking big players, but definitely Latrell Mitchell is out. Uh, Matt Burden's been pulled into 18th man. Uh, I was really surprised because I thought that, you know, Dylan Edwards might get pulled into the squad. I think he deserves what it. What are they bringing in him for? I got no, look, I seriously, I don't Honestly. know what he needs to do to be included in that next level. You know what I mean? Origin and Australia. He's uh, It's an easy trip, isn't it? It Put is. him straight at the back, keep Travojevic at centre, and then chuck an old Crichton. Yeah, well, it's um, Crichton will go. Crichton will definitely go straight to centre, and uh, the the change that has happened has actually changed on the Maroon side. They've swapped uh, around Valentine Hones and uh, Fido has gone over to to mark up against Travojevic, and I don't know whether that is about defensive him him being a better defensive centre because he really hasn't defended that much in the front line. Or it's about his speed and whether or not they think that Trebojevic in the centre has enough uh, gas in his legs to, to stick with uh, Fido. So, yeah, look, it's it's a real tough one. Latrell Mitchell being ruled out would really shorten up the book. You know, he's yeah. he's basically their most potent attacking we- weapon. Um, come origin time, you know, Latrell Mitchell, you'd think that you'd give New South Wales a big shout down in Adelaide to get the first one done. But now that he's out and they're saying that, uh, like you said, Clary's carrying a little bit of a cloud over him, mate, Queensland have to go into this now as favourites. Mm. I, mean, I can't believe how quiet the Queensland camp's been. Apart from the Dane, Dane Gagai and the, the chat about not sticking with your, your tried and tested, they've been really quiet and flown under the radar. It's, it's, it's good, to, good to see, isn't it, Kempe? Good to see they're just simmering away. Their camp's nice and calm and collected. And just Wednesday can't come quick enough. I'm going to get my Queensland jersey. I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to watch that game at home and, and enjoy it. In Adelaide, a place that has been starved of origin. So, you know, not your unique kind of first game place to be able to situate this game and play it. But in Adelaide on Wednesday, and just want to talk to you about Ponga, mate. Look, I watched Ponga play mm. for Newcastle on Sunday against Manly. He started at fullback. Well, I was, I'm just a little bit unsure. I'm worried about Ponga. You know, his, his influence on the game hasn't 
Is it just is it just the pressure that is building on him? Obviously, left out of the Queensland side wouldn't have helped his confidence. And then he's been chucked back at fullback. He's been mucked around with positions in Newcastle. That hadn't helped his confidence. But Ponga? Yeah, look, I, I think we spoke about this around concussion, you know, like his father, who, who apparently manages him, has a decision to make around this concussion issue um, and the safety of his son. And uh, what it looks like is that money has taken precedent over everything else when he signed for Newcastle. Um, yeah. Now... I would have thought that they picked him first up, but once I read the selectors, uh, I guess their analysis of why they went with Reese Walsh and left Ponga out, and it sort of really makes sense. You know, like if you lose Ponga to an HIA early on, yep. it stuffs up your rotation. And in Origin, you can't afford to do that because the game is so fast and you need your rotations to be as, as close to what what they plan out to be as possible. Otherwise, it changes the the, um, the shape of the game. So when they went Reese Walsh, Reese Walsh, I doubt he's a tough kid. Is he going to put himself in that position as Ponga does where he, he picks up a head clash? Nor does he have the, the uh, susceptible condition, which could possibly throw him in an HIA Um issue if they have one so uh, Gagai and leaving Ponga out arguably you'd have to say the two mm. blokes and I know especially with Dane Gagai has been Mr Origin over the over the last oh, five six years and to leave them two out Ponga, Ponga being player of the, basically player of the series to get Queensland over the line last year is a massive call from Billy Slater mm. uh, does he get to play again I think I suppose that's the question I don't yeah. think Reese Walsh hands a jersey back like that kid's gone so good, you know. And I, you know, they talk about the Wally Lewis medal and stuff like that for for mm. State of Origin, and they're talking about who will get it. No one's mentioned Reese Walsh. I think Reese Walsh gets it. Really? You yeah. think? Oh, mate. I honestly, when you're looking at what's that paying? I've got no idea. I haven't <laughs> even had a look. But no one has spoken about Reese Walsh, and I, I reckon he makes that. You know, you know this is he. When you're playing NPC, mm. when you go to Super Rugby, then you go into the All Black. It's about taking that step. So you take your mm. form, and people say, oh, he should be a, a super player, and then he goes a super player, some make it, some don't. Oh, he should be an all-black, and then they go up and they go, yeah, make it, and they don't. Well, I reckon Reese Walsh makes a step, and I reckon he makes an emphatic step. $17 he's paying. Not as long as I thought. Ooh. Not as long as I thought, but <laughs> he oh, is... That's, that's juicy-ish. It's juicy-ish. Oh, juicy. <laughs> the the favourite is Nathan Cleary at four fifty, Cam Munster at five fifty, Tedesco at 7s, Payne Haas at 13s, and then it's uh, Daly Cherry Evans and Reese Walsh at 17s. Reese yeah. Walsh. I'm Reece having Walsh, a little, da- good I'm shout, having a little dabble on that. Yeah, $17. I love what you say about that, Kempe, too. Like, just, you're, you're, you're being... You know, when once you get into those top sides, you you just you worry and you're concerned about everything around you just as null and void. Like you just gotta worry about your game. And that's all Reese Walsh has to do when he's playing for this side. Everyone in their position is the best one of the best in the world. And uh mate, makes for a good watch. I can't wait. Bring on Wednesday. Yeah, bring on Wednesday, indeed. It is uh nine away from eight. And just on that, if you are um Tuning in to SENZ for your uh, coverage of State of Origin. We've got some options for you, right? So there'll be SEN Origin Live, which we'll be carrying here, which is going to be Jimmy Smith, Brett Kamali, and Scott Sattler uh, doing the oh, commentary. Come on. So We've got is, it all. That, that is good. But but if you're a dyed in the wool Maroons fan and you don't want to hear 
anything about the blues, you don't want to hear a blues point of view, then <laughs> you can jump on our SEN Gold Coast or SENQ uh, stations on the SEN app and you can tune into Maroons Radio where they'll have a separate call with uh, former Bronco Andrew McCullough with uh, Matt Rogers and broadcaster Drury Forbes just giving you the Maroons version. Oh, that's me. And then that's if you're flip side, if you're like me and you just want to hear from the blues point of view, then SEN 11.70am, you can find that on the SEN app as well, is is going to have our mate Joel Kane from Joel and Fletch alongside Spud Carroll and Tim Manor giving you a blues point of view call as well. So blues are all covered. One-eyed. One-eyed. <laughs> Not listen to that. Oh, well, or you can, or you Rich can, coming or you from can, a bloke in Canterbury. <laughs> or you can just tune into Izzy and Kempe for breakfast and go to the SENZ breakfast I'll app t- and just keep watching Pierre delivering breakfast. <laughs> yeah. How good's the app? How good's the app, boys? Like, honestly, been... Broken leg, you know, I can't do much. I just flick that app on, go to whatever I want, have a little tune in all weekend. You know, I was tuning in until it all. It was bloody great. Yeah, great. So download that app if you if you can because it's uh, out to the bloody great listen. I was cruising out the airport at Hawke's Bay in a um, Tesla with a, a Indian guy and uh, he goes, Who what are, are you, you? What are you down here? What are you, oh. what, what are you doing down here? I said, I'm down here with a commentary. And he goes, oh, are you, uh, are you with Izzy? And Baz. And I went, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm Kempi, mate. <laughs> and he, he just started laughing. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I listen to you guys on the app. So, mate, the app, like you did, you did sit right. The app, um, it's got everything on it. Absolutely I'd love to see it. you with a cricket bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just you tune in, you might do. You might do. Seven away from eight here on SCNZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Watch 500 mil assorted variants for only 7.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's a couple of minutes away from eight o'clock here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Our can't wait question of the day was around the comeback that you didn't see coming until it happened. And uh, we had a bunch of texts through. You can keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Uh, this one, one for Rick Dog, AC Milan, and Liverpool in the Champions League 2005. Liverpool 3 0 down at half time, won it on penalties. Yep, remember that. Remember that, unfortunately. Uh, Warriors Sharks. 2003, you'll remember this, Kempi. 24-6 down with 22 minutes to left. Left, four tries in 10 minutes. Stacey Jones with a golden point winner to win 31-30. Yeah, we do, and Penrith. Penrith is another one. We're getting a tonking at half time and went out and won that one. Newcastle up there, uh, that was another one. The Warriors have got so many of those comebacks. So here's, here's another one. Alfie Lang is SOS coming back from Warrington, I think it was, for State of Origin. Same as Joey Johns. He got the same call and came out and played man of the match. They keep playing that um that replay every year, don't they, about uh, the great Joey John. So there's plenty of them out there. Plenty of them out there. We also had this come through from Kevin in Titarangi. Uh, morning, boys. Jeez, Kempe, I hope you two Einsteins are think alike, as I'm already on your tip at $4. On the Warriors game, how hideous looking did those clowns look running onto the field? Obviously in peak Olympic condition. One couldn't even jump the barrier. It was quite obvious <laughs> with their thinking that they weren't looking at aircraft engineers or surgeons. Just unbelievable. Thank you very much from Kevin. Keep those coming through. Double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine. In the next hour, we're going to hear about Daggers, Super Rugby Player of the Weekend. We'll also catch up with Paulie Mawadi and Clark Laidlaw as well, coaching the All Black Under-20s. Need more data? 1899. 
This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel, oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel, oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. Yes, welcome back Izzy Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ just after 8 o'clock. Welcome into the show. <laughs> dilemma here. Don't touch anything Israel, you absolute idiot. Um, but we're back and we're ready to rip into another big hour. We've got Clark Laidlaw coming on the show shortly. We're going to be talking a little bit of Super Rugby later on in the show. And Cameron yesterday, I remember your text, no, I'm not going to name another Crusader for my DHL Super Rugby Rugby Player of the Week. Just stay tuned because it ain't anyone from the black and red. All right, that's just for you coming up after yeah, he's probably so going there. Though. He's probably going there, though, isn't <laughs> no, he? I'm not. I'm not, mate. We're no, all I'm equal. not talking about you. you I'm talking what? about the player you're going to name. They'll probably pick him up, the uh, Crusaders. Nah, nah. I can't see this guy going there. Can't see him going there. He's uh, through and through the team he plays for. But if you want to hear that, you have to stay tuned. He, I thought he made a real statement over the weekend. I know many of you as well will be thinking the same. But right now, it's now time to talk some rugby. The under-20s lost to the Junior Wallabies yesterday. Have the Aussies closed the gap, or were you dealing with limited selection options? Let's talk to the one and only Clark Laylaw to chat about that. Morning, Clark. Morning, how are you doing? Ah, good, mate. Appreciate you coming on the show. Probably the most wanted man. Must be feel good for your ego. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Um, my ego's well at check after yesterday, so that's all good. Yeah, talk to us about yesterday, mate. Obviously, not the, the weather was as hindrance. Obviously, a horrible day out there. But put excuses aside, the, the Aussies obviously were on top few most throughout that that game, that performance. Have they closed the gap over in Australia? What, what can you pin that down to, mate? Yeah, I'm not sure I went um, previous, but, you know, they were certainly um, well-organised and, you know, they've had a fair bit of time together. Um, you know, since Christmas, they've had three or four camps. So, you know, we knew that that would be the case, that we would be, you know, slightly behind around organisation. We got together last weekend, you know, for the first time and, and we used yesterday, you know, with a real purpose around trying to select players for, for the final 30. So, yeah, I thought they, you know, defensively they were organised. We were certainly, you know, a little bit underdone, but already watching the game again, the coaches are quite excited around some of the opportunities we've seen, and I guess we've got something to work on now. You know, we've, as I say, we've been together for six or seven days. We've played a game, so 
we can start coaching and the players can start looking at their game and, and you know, a big job to improve for Saturday. Hey, Clark, it's Kimby, mate. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I was watching Stan Sport on the weekend and they put this massive emphasis on the under-20s in this game that uh, you guys played yesterday against against the Australians uh, uh, for their pathways. And what you've, you've just uh, elaborated on is that they've been preparing for quite a while. Do you think it's a, a little bit naive from the NZ rugby to to just give you the, these players who are, who are our next All Blacks for sh- such short periods of game um, um, for preparation? And can we do better in that... Um, in that pathway where we should be spending more time with these guys who are actually going on to Super Rugby and hopefully to All Black jerseys. Yeah, it's obviously a, a big part of development, isn't it? The under twenties and, and how we get that right. Um, there's a lot of challenges, you know. Super Rugby, there's there's quite a few of these players already in Super Rugby, so the balance between, you know, getting access to those players earlier um, or playing Super Rugby, you know, NDC contracts that are. They're also in Super Rugby, so I, I certainly think there's some stuff there for us to think about. How do we, how do we keep aligning that part of the program? Um, but ultimately, you know, it is what it is around when we get them. So, you know, we're confident over the next month before we play Wales that you know we can make some big shifts with these players. We've got we've got a lot of good young men. Um, you know, they worked really hard last week to connect with each other and. And some of the stuff yesterday was just combinations, you know, people on the outside, there was a whole heap of space, but, you know, communicating that and, and being on the same page was, wasn't was there. Um, some connections on defence, you know, we, we missed a couple of roles, which again, we just haven't had the time to, to implement. So, you know, we just got to stay nice and calm on that part of the game and improve for the weekend. You know, set piece will improve again. Um, we've got a lot of players that will come back in and play on the weekend. So, we're actually quite excited, you know, as I say, it's, it's um, those who were slightly ahead on the week or yesterday, so we'll see what we can do over the next four days. I think it's a challenge, isn't it, Clark? Because yourself, many others have got other, um, you know, uh, opportunities elsewhere. That it's, it's difficult at the moment because you've got players spread out through franchises. You, you've been over coaching uh, the seven sides, so you, your access to them at an earlier on stage, at early stages, is, is probably difficult, but. On the flip side, there's definitely room for improvement there, Kempi. I can see what you're saying. But just want to talk to you about the style of play that you're after for the under-20s. Um, you know, the brand of rugby that you, you, you want to achieve with this group, like the Ford Pack. Have you got a sizable Ford Pack to really compete? Or, a, a, you know, we know what they have to offer up in the north, are big packs, are big bodies. So are you looking to manoeuvre them around? Like, What do you want to bring to this, this under-20s outfit, mate? Yeah, we're pretty clear that that moving the ball and, and using the ball, <clears throat> keeping it in, um, you know, with a smart kicking game, is the way we're going to have to play. You, you know, we play France in that second game. They are they are very big, um, 145 kg locks and props. So being able to move them around, but as you know, mate, we we need to be able to at least get parity up front. You know, so we need to have a scrum that can can win our own ball and, you know, we've got to hang in there and, and not be scrum for penalties and kicked it in the corner for malls because I'm sure that's what other teams are going to look to try and do um, when you look at France and South Africa and so on. So, so yeah, you know, you've seen that yesterday. Um, you know, guys like Taha Kemera, Hi Godfrey, these guys, they see space really well. You know, some of the, the sort of kick space that we took yesterday was, was encouraging. But some of the sort of courage to, to try and play, um, you know, was again really encouraging. So, so yeah, we we you know we've got to we've got to stick to that. Maybe we've got to be adventurous and, and be optimistic around how we want yeah. to use the ball. But 
you know, if there's kick space, we, we've got to be really smart with that because we can build pressure, obviously, through that as well. Clark, you've been uh, obviously through the sevens and in the, in the other fifteens. You're on a pathway through the twenty. What about Clark Laidlaw? What's what's the um, pathway for Clark Laidlaw? Like, do you see yourself going into Super Rugby, into coaching the All Blacks in the future? What's your next step? I guess I'm like a player. There's no such thing as pathway. It's just opportunity, isn't it? It's, um, <laughs> it's the most know, wanted man in NZ, Kempi. You should know that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm loving my time with Simmons, um, but I'm also loving transitioning back at the 15s and, and seeing how that goes. Um, obviously, Simmons wise we've had an amazing year this year, and, you know, we're super proud of the group and, um, you know, some of the pleasing things we've debuted, you know, 12 players and four staff. And so that was, you know, a really, you know, a really special year with Simmons. But, you know, for me, it's, as I say, it's all about opportunity and timing, isn't it? You know, so. I've got enough on my plate with uh, four days prep for Australia on Saturday, so I'll stick my energy into that at this stage. The challenge, Clark, for, for transitioning back into the 15s games, you've done a fantastic job with uh, the Sevens, mate. I, I'd like to congratulate you there on, on the last couple of years. I think it's been outstanding. You've unearthed some hell of, some great talent for for 15 side of the game to, if they want to continue on in that. But, mate, the transition back to 15s, is that a challenge for yourself? Yeah, it is. Um, it's something I'm really enjoying and, and really up for. Um, Seven in the line defensively doesn't seem to work in 15, so that's um, <laughs> the first part of get my head around. But no, I mean the, the game, you know, the, the game um, is definitely moving and changing. You know, but we've got good assistant coaches even with this team that I guess you just got to help um, as the head coach facilitate some of that part. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot more moving parts in the game and off the field, you know, with staff and, and players. So it's trying to get really clear on, I guess, what I've done as a coach, you know, with 15s and 7s and, and really simplify it that we can then put it into 15s, you know. So a lot of last week for this team was was spent on connecting as a group off the field and making sure we started those relationships because, you know, that that's all new too. So, so yeah, it's a good challenge, mate. It's... it's um, a lot more bodies, a few more moving parts, but I think the principles around the people and the culture and performance are, are really similar and, and just the same. Clark, uh, the news came out of Japan uh, last week that your, your cousin Greg has finally called time on the playing career and he wants to get into coaching. Uh, you, you, you're looking at teaming up with him at, at any point, keeping it in the family, bringing him down down under? Told him not to do it. He's made enough money. Um, he doesn't need to coach. Um, he's mad. But um, yeah, he's a hell of a competitor, Greg. Um, you know, I think when he was a player, he could see he wasn't. You know, he wasn't necessarily the most physically gifted rugby player. But man, he had a smart head and a big heart that you know created his career. So I'm sure if he wants to get into coaching, you'll you'll do a good job. But as I say, I said to him, he's uh, he's done his travelling. You should please feet up and do some commentary on radio, um, just like Izzy, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> what? That ain't easy, mate. Come on. What are you saying? <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Clark, um, just quickly, before we let you go, when are we going to know a decision of what Clark Laylord's going to do in the future? No, because I say, mate, it's... Um, the future will take care of itself. There's nothing for me to, to comment this morning. It's, um, as I say, I've got enough on my plate with uh, 
with Australia on Saturday. So I'm sure if, if anything changes, you'll, uh, you'll get to know us and we can have a chat then. But, we'll um, the we'll be the first to know, eh? Beautiful, beautiful place down here, Koshu yeah. Shashi. I don't know if you, you've ventured down here. Well, it's it's a nice spot to actually settle down if you. Yeah, if you're I, I, I wouldn't actually. Lines. I wouldn't stay in the hut though. If I was looking around down there and just checking our houses over the next four days, I'd probably be in like Oriental Bay or somewhere like that. Yeah, you know that rugby doesn't uh, put you on a bay. Um, so yeah. Oh, Clark, yeah. I was going to say if you if you can only move to Christchurch if you're suffering vision problems with one eye. So. Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mate, yeah. Uh, what, nice what, and cool down there. It maybe suits me more. So yeah, well, Scotland isn't it? It's just a bit colder. That's right. Oh, break here it. Here we go. Break it in the kiln from be a Clark State Lord. There you go, boys. Hey, you hear first on his NZ. Clark, just one one more question. Who's the kid there that you've got in your team at the moment that, you know, like through the 20s, whenever they've played, there's always been a standout that we've been able to look at in the future. Who's that kid? I, I genuinely think we've got a few, mate. You know, they didn't play yesterday, guys like Harry Godfrey and Marcus Springer, Noah Hotham, um, Taha Camera. I thought was really good yesterday. You know, he's had a broken hand and only played his second game of rugby. Um, there's guys like you know Caleb Tungatau, um, You know, I thought Peter Lakai was you know was really good yesterday. I think he's mm. you know you've already seen in Super Rugby. So there's a whole host. Um, you know, you had Jack Taylor in his hooker. Um, so that's the exciting part, you know. We're obviously disappointed with this today, but when you look at all those players to come back in, um, you know, another four or five days together, and then we've got a full two weeks together, you know, in South Africa before we actually get into the Welsh game. So there's a, there's a huge excitement in the group, and as I say, putting those boys back in on the weekend, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Here we go. If you win the under 20 World Cup, nobody's going to remember that you lost to Australia uh, yesterday, mate. Um, so yeah. you know, and you know, as much as you want to win, it's it's all about development and working on things. So what are you, what are the work ons between now and and, and Saturday? Yeah, that, that space identification. Um, Marty Buck, who's coaching the attack, you know, we had a good chat last night and looking at. We're actually rooming with each other, so there's a lot of rugby getting there, talked about and watched. So I think showing the boys that over the next couple of days, that, that some of that space is there, um, the ability to communicate it and then take it, obviously, is is a challenge. Defensively, there's definitely some roles around, you know, just a set-piece defence that we can tidy up quite quickly. And then a big piece around scrum and line-out. You know, we know, you know, traditionally that's an area that, that we're under-20s team really needs to focus on, so... Bringing two or three boys back in the front row and, and a couple of locks that, that weren't available yesterday um, you know, should go should go a long way to, to improve in that area. So, so yeah, they're the sort of three areas we looked at already as coaches. Beautiful. Beautiful, Clark. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. And, and all the best uh, going forward, I think, going to South Africa and, and hopefully getting the job done. It's great to have the under-20s back again and, and op- an opportunity to see their next talent big future coming up. I particularly love watching Harry Godfrey, a young boy from Hawke's Bay, um, mm. playing extremely well on his opportunities for Super Rugby and hopefully he can continue on that form for you at the under-20s, mate. Thank you so much for your time, Clark, and, and all the best in the next couple of weeks. All good. Cheers, man. Yeah, Clark Laidlaw with us. 18 past eight here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.
My question of the day earlier was uh, the biggest comeback you've witnessed uh, when you didn't think the comeback was on. Uh, Paul has texted us through Rocky Balboa <laughs> versus Mr T. Uh, what was that, Rocky 3? Best comeback ever from Paul. Don't know if that one counts, Paulie, but thanks for your text, mate. Thanks for getting involved. Best movies ever. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, actually, Dad, was it uh, Dan Raphael, who uh, used to be the ESPN uh, bo- uh, boxing writer? He's now uh, out on his own. He's one of the best boxing boxing journos around. He reckons that uh, was it Rocky two or Rocky three. He put a he put, he did a Patreon uh, thing the other day. So it's the best boxing movie ever. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. So uh, that that was pretty cool. Also, uh, this one I know we got uh, the Paul Mawadi party coming on shortly, but uh, this one from Kevin and Tedarangi Kempi. We have a soft six at Hastings today, the same as we had the other day. So are we expecting one race, or are they going to get the hairdryer out? As I said, you don't get slippery on a soft <laughs> six unless your preparation is inadequate. Since the start of the season, how many times has the word abandoned been used, and for what reason? Oh, yeah, Shambles. Look, Kev, I, I doubt it whether they're going to abandon to, uh, today's races. And, yeah, they were, uh, they've, as we know, they've had quite a few abandonments Um which just throws everything out, you know. Trainers are going there with all their all their horses, and of course, jockeys are travelling over, and they don't get paid. And um, yeah, it's. I don't think it'll be abandoned today, but um, no, mate. Who knows? It's. Uh, you think races are on, and all of a sudden they're off. It's uh, something that they're continually working on fixing up. So let's hope that that gets through uh, their car today down there at Hawke's Bay. Also had a couple others come through. Uh, this one from Ed. Morena, the greatest comeback has to be the 1993 Nati Pro East Coast versus West Coast. I, I, I think we all remember that. Uh, time coming out, time running out, and Eddie Terure uh, throws a Wally Lewis out to anyone in the backs. Bata Waititi T Araroa, left wing, gets the final pass and slips his mark at a score. We would have been the worst team in the NPC in 1993. <laughs> Ed, Ed comes up with all of the old stories, eh? Absolutely <laughs> beautiful, that. He's even, got, he's even got the names right. It's a uh, oh, hard case. I, I actually met this guy too, um, Rick Dog, down in the Hawks Bay on Saturday night. His name is Brad. And what he reckons could be the big, biggest comeback could have been Izzy's hairline. <laughs> oh. Well, it has. Well, I don't think could have. It has been. Look at me now, hey? All you bald brothers out there doing it tough. Come see me. Have I got the deal for you? Life-changing. Woo. I d- Come on. Identity. I did have to laugh, Izzy, because yesterday, I don't know if, if you were listening yesterday, there was a bit, five minutes where Izzy disappeared. And uh, he went and did a, did a bit on the AM show. And it was all about that, mate. And you were wearing a hat the whole time. I was like, hang on. That's not the best advert, surely. Oh well, look, it's 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 morning hair. I got hair here. It was uh, I didn't want people to think, wow, he's got so much hair. So I had to keep put it in. You know, to Fair enough, mate. Context, Fair enough. but no, it was good. And I spoke about the shrinkers as well. So at the SNZ uh, branding right in the background, good promotion for the Great brand promotion. for the station. But hey, but hey, the headline. Don't you hate Brad, sis? Don't you hate? Don't hate it at all. Don't hate it at all. Uh, we had a few others come through here of the biggest comebacks. Uh, the 99 Grand Final, St. Hori up 14-0 at half time. Uh, before an inspired second half from the T-Bone, Rob of the Clive Churchill medal, started ironing out Dragons players for fun. That was it. That was a great Grand Final. Yeah, these are well, like I said, you know, you've got plenty. You've got plenty of those. Let's just hope that tomorrow night. Um, yeah, there's. 
I know who he is. He wants to have the best comeback as that's Queensland. But, uh, yeah, let's just hope tomorrow night throws up one of those uh, mighty games again for State of Origin. Can't wait. And just a quick shout-out, lads, to the one and only Stephen Fleming. He's done it again. Five titles for Chennai Super Kings. And Devin Conway has had a performance with a tournament of any batsman, particularly for Kiwi's flags. He was outstanding. But, mate, Flem, he is a god over there. And he's done it again with the Chennai Super Kings. So shout-out to them. Well done. Cheers for that, Mr. Tritchie. Yeah, well done indeed. Well done indeed. That's a, that's a great win because they were up against it. They needed a four off the last ball, uh, and and they got it. So uh, it's great when it goes down to the wire like that. The old IPL final is uh, been and done. Uh, we'll keep keep uh, your texts coming through. Double eight, double three. Uh, here's an idea for security: Kempy with a cricket bat for pitch invaders. <laughs> I quite like that. It reminds me of Andrew Simons. Remember, there was a guy that ran on and he uh, he spanked him with a cricket bat on the bare bum. Um, yeah. that, that that could be that could be your future, Kempy. Uh, keep those texts coming through. Double eight, double three. When we come back, uh, Paulie Mawadi joins us from the TAB right now. Here's Araha with the latest in news and sport. Thanks to Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building. New Zealand. It's 29 away from 9 here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Uh, time to catch up with the one-man party. Paulie Mawadi, how you doing, Paul? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Ricardo. You boys okay? Yeah, we're doing good, mate. We're doing good. We actually just watched, so we were just talking about it, Stephen Fleming's Chennai Super Kings get over the line in the IPL. Um, for one, I, I don't really follow it, to be honest. I'm not a massive T20 fan and, you know, and, and stuff. But, I mean, what what is, like, the uh, the investment for you guys? I mean, is it popular with the tab? Oh, it certainly is. Um, don't worry about that. And um, I, I guess there's a wee bit of increased interest uh, with the fact that we've got a number of Kiwis over there um, who are doing very, very well, and one of them being Devin Conway, who, mm. who uh, um, just seems to be seeing the ball like uh, a great big, huge pumpkin at the moment. And um, what I think he got, didn't quite get the half century today, but really got um, the Super Kings off to a great start in their run chase. So, yeah, no, it, it's very, very popular, even though the time zone doesn't really suit us. No, and Paulie, just uh, we got racing back on a Hawks Bay today, picking up that abandonment last week. What, what's, uh, where is all the money going? Well, I think I may have found one for you, Kipi. Uh, uh, all you have to do is head to race seven at Hastings today, and uh, he won't be playing in game one of the State of Origin, but number six, Latrell, oh, uh, nice. has been very well backed, 480 into 380. Uh, trained by Cody Cole, got Ryan Elliott aboard. So, yes, there's money for number six, Latrell, in race seven at Hastings today, into 380 now, and is a very warm favourite. Nice, nice. And what about the uh, the other big one on to, um, coming up is the Celtics up against the Heat. What do you reckon? Oh, look, I, I've got a funny feeling that the Celtics may get beat. But really, at a dollar thirty-seven, where's oh, all the no. where's all the money going? Is it all going on the Celtics? 
No, we've taken three times as much money on the Miami Heat, who are currently 335 Ooh. to win this game, than we've taken on the Boston Celtics, who are $1.31. So three times as much money in that head-to-head market on Jimmy Butler and the Heat than we've taken on the Celtics. And the boys have got plenty of power plays for you to get stuck into. Look, there's one I really, really like. Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler each to have... Uh, one point, one rebound, one assist, one block, one steal, and one made three. Now, if you have a look at their sort of averages over the postseason so far, um, they pretty much tick all those boxes apart from Jimmy Butler and um, the block. So we just want him to pick up. That's all we're really looking forward uh, for, I think, for this um, power play. It's paying $9 at the moment. Tatum and Butler to get... One point, rebound, assist, block, steal, and made three each. So, yeah, as long as Butler gets a block, I think that one could uh, could cash in for us. So I'm very, very keen on that power play. Yeah, all right, Paulie. Uh, we did have this text come through as well. It does take us back to Hastings, uh, but it's literally just come through. It asked if we can ask uh, the, the one-man party, Paulie Mawadi, about uh, the favourites in races two, three, and four at Hastings. Texter says they look tough to roll after the scratchings. Can you ask Paulie if there's a bit of heat around those runners? <laughs> I think I'm being asked a question that uh, some people already know the answer to. Um, <laughs> yes, race two, Mr. Bully T, 230 into 185. Yeah, I race like three, number 11, orchestral, two ten, uh, solid at 210. And race four, Number five, I'm wonderful tonight, $2 into $1.85. So race two and race four, they have been very well backed, and there's also support for the favourite in race three as well. So you've got a little multi there going if you want to, boys. Yeah, chuck it on, chuck it on. Uh, we, we should also talk, mate, about uh, where the money is going for State of Origin. And uh, you mentioned Latrell earlier, the horse. What about Latrell, the league player, not been in, in State of Origin one? Is, has that swung things at your end? Where's the money? Yeah, look, look um, Queensland have come in slightly. They're now $2. Ah, sorry, that's for the um, overall series. I'm just having a look at the Wally Lewis uh, medal winner because um, we've had a little bit of action um, in recent times. Look, the best back player, um, unfortunately for some people, is Latrell Mitchell, who is $51 to win the Wally Lewis medal now. But the second best back player is Reese Walsh at $17. And I hear um, Kempi may have been uh, pumping up his tyre. Mm. So, yeah, Reese Walsh is the second best back player in that Wally Lewis um, medal winner market. Uh, in terms of the outright book, though, I can tell you that the early money, and it continues to come, even though Latrell's out was on the New South, well, uh, New South Welshman, they're dollar eighty at the moment to win game one. Queensland are $1.97. The boys have put out a couple of uh, uh, boosted markets as well, one for your uh, uh, Queensland supporters and one for the uh, New South Wales supporters. Selwyn Cobbo to score a try and Queensland to win 1-12. That's been boosted out to 7. And the Fox to score a try, New South Wales to win 1-12. That's been boosted out to 6. Now, that has been very, very popular. The Fox to score and New South Wales to win by 1-12 boosted out to six but the money at the moment in the head-to-head market it's with the blue the, bl- the blues boys a dollar 80 at the moment queensland a dollar 97 we hope to see a wee bit more uh, support for queensland tomorrow in the lead up to kick off
Nice, Paulie. Some nice little exotics there. And you know me, I'm always trying to pump up the TAB, so get you some more money in there on Reese Walsh. That's uh, all that you're after. But I'm talking about a little <laughs> exotic of my own coming up during the weekend, which we've got just asked me. Mate, just make sure you're talking to your bookies, talking to your bookies uh, in there to say, give us a little bit of a power play or something there for us, because I know that you're going to shorten him right up after his last run. Um, but we'll talk to you more about that tomorrow eh, when the when the, uh, when the the noms come out. Very good, Kevin. Did you not get enough? Off just asked me last time. Fair never, never enough. <laughs> never enough. Got to top him up, mate. I've got to keep me in coffees in the morning, Paulie. You see, that's how it works. <laughs> good stuff, mate. Go well. Have a great day. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Cheers, There's 22 away from nine. You can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. When we come back, Izzy's going to give you his DHL Super Rugby Player of the Week. Chemist Warehouse June catalog sale is on now. Find a massive 30% off the Thompson's Vitamin range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Welcome back, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ. We're 17 away from nine. We're going to catch up with Ian Smith shortly. No doubt he'll have a jam-packed show to carry you through to midday. But before then, it's time for our DH, our Super Rugby Pacific Rugby Super Rugby Player of the Week. Look, there's a couple of candidates that put their hands up over the weekend. I'm going to rattle off a few. I thought... Oh, it's a no-brainer. This guy pretty much selected himself four tries for the Blues. Winger Mark Talia. Slippery. Winger, Mark Talia, has, uh, well, he's made the debate for the outside backs even more contested. And I know Tony Johnson was on Smithy's show, said he went a long way to putting his hand up to take that role, knowing what he did in the black jersey at the end of last year. be hard to leave him out at the moment. I just can't believe how he can get some of the, through some of those caps. He's outstanding at the moment, Mark Talia. I'm going to go down south and, and also shine the light on Hugh Renton. I think Hugh Renton has... Uh, played extremely well this year. When you're keeping out guys like Marino McKelly too, uh, Lynchies, you know, you got Shannon Frazell, and you're keeping out quality players and week in, week out, you're putting in, um, you know, consistent performances, I think he's he's gone a long way as well. So Hugh Renton, for me, really put his hand up. Cortez Ratama for the Chiefs at nine, I think he's been very, very good. Uh, adds another, well, op- option for the nines, going around for the future once Aaron Smith, Brad Webber and potentially TJ Pedernada departure. I think um, the, locking, uh, the the halfback position is well and truly uh, locked up at the moment. Got some confidence knowing what's coming ahead for the future. But it's hard to go past this. First scrum's a good battle and the Chiefs go short side and make plenty of metres. Drew Jacobson who dummies and runs and scores. Oh, that's a start and a half for the Chiefs. One of the biggest matches of the year down here in Canberra. And the Chiefs go bang early and three minutes in. Has everyone forgotten about Luke Jacobson and his importance for that Chiefs team? Like, when you read off his stats in that game, and that performance, 13 carries for 119 metres gained. That is for a loose forward. So you do the man. He ain't running from fullback where you're chopping up 20, 30 metres at a time. This is defensive lines right there. So he's making gains with every position he's carried. He had eight defenders beaten. Eight defenders beaten. So he's got great footwork at the line. All while amassing 17 tackles. 
So it's on both sides of the ball. This fella has been absolutely busy. So he, for me, it's hard to go past Luke Jacobson with that stellar performance on the weekend. I think the hardest thing right now is to back it up week in, week out. He has been consistently okay. He's taken his game to another level. We want to see that back to back to back because that's when the greats are able to do it every week, no matter what game they play. So Luke Jacobson is in a position, lads, that has uh, been debated. Eight, who is going to play eight? Cullen Grace, another injury. Ethan Blackadder, potentially uh, another a wee little niggle. You know, Artie Savier, does he slip back there? I know you're both not fans of that. Does Luke Jacobson come into conversations now? It's another name you've left out of there is Hoskins Satutu. You know, I, I, Hoskins Satutu yeah. had his chances. Went well on the week. And what I love about him too, uh, Ricardo, is his ability at the line-out. You need an eight that's a really uh, an option come line-out, and that's what Kieran Reid was so good at. Luke Jacobson's size, does that limit him? I don't know. But, yeah, there's another name. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about Jacobson. He's just not quite big enough. At six or eight, and 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 I think you know, get, I mean, I've said that about Artie as well. But I think if you're gonna your you backup eight has to give you that physicality and like you say that line out option. So I think it's a two two for me. But Jacobson, man, what a what a warrior he goes and goes and goes. Kempi, you make it, you make a great leaguey. Yeah, look, I you know I'm one about size and 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 with size players play well above their weight. And Luke Jacobson is one of those players. Like when those stats rolled out that Izzy just gave. Um, and you're dead right in a, in, a, in a close contact sport where the defensive line's right there and you can still push through and beat defenders. He's got to come onto the lips of the selectors. I think with um, Cullen Grace going down over the weekend, unfortunately with another injury, uh, he pushes up into that that um, that group of players. And, and of course, you know, he's he's pretty consistent. You know, he's pretty mm. consistent. So a good choice of your, your super rugby player there. I, I thought of a special mention too for one player that come on and, and helped with young um, Smithy down in the deep south is Philel Whakatawa. And the, when you played that footage there um, of Luke Jacobson scoring down the short side there, that little play that he went down there to go over there at the end of the game, uh, you've got to remember that he's come back from that knee injury, mate. Mm. And when he took mm. off and showed that little bit of speed through there, I was like, oh, well, I'm not worried about his knee. Yeah, it looks fine. It looks fine. Uh, this I, I, I like Fakatava. Sorry, Rick. I, I like Fakatava because he can bring the unpredictability to a game. You know, he's so, so unpredictable. But what we need is control from his game, you know, to control it for long periods of time, whether the kick, whether to give it to the forwards. Like, he, he can be a little bit erratic, which is his strength, but it also can be his his weakness. So um, he's going to get the at the reins now. He's already passed the baton on to Aaron Smith. Said, this is your team now. So now we're going to see cons- consistent game time and hopefully we can see that consistency with his control. Yeah, that's what we want to see. Uh, this one came through from Rob as well on double eight double three. Hi, Israel. Did you miss Leicester's <laughs> performance at centre? The guy is class oh, and tough at centre all wing. He leaves his competition like Caleb Clark for dead. I didn't miss him. I obviously did it for a reason because Cameron came at me for just constantly picking Crusaders. I could pick Crusaders all day, through and through. But Leicester, no, he had a great performance at centre. Mm, I yeah. think he's um, that's his, his utility factor is why he's so 
um, desirable overseas and potentially going to lose them. Well, I think we have lost them too. To, to a French outfit But um, no I didn't miss him I thought he had a great game But yeah. I did it for a reason Because I think others Deserved an opportunity to, to become DHL Super Rugby Pacific Player of the Week Yeah there you go the Cam uh, yeah, as, he's, as he's eye patches At the dry cleaners uh, John has called through <laughs> From Auckland uh, On our 800 811 Morning John How are you? Look uh, Cameron Sawfoy That's our future With the physical Number sixes He's playing lock At the moment yeah. But he's a big He's a big mm. lad, mate. He's probably 120 kegs, six foot six, and very physical. I see him as a feature number six, though. He plays six for um, Harbour mainly, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does, mate. And obviously, you've got um, Ioane there at six for the Blues, so he's mm. had to accommodate that and play lock. But for the future, I see him as a future number six. He's just got that raw, kind of Jer- Jerome Kaino-esque kind of nature mm. about him. But uh, in terms of number eight, Slick Jacobson's playing the house down, mate. I understand that he does look a bit small and we want to see him dominate those big packs like France and South Africa. Um, but I think for now, he's developing into a very, very good professional player. Um, did any of you folks see the South African squad named? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yep. Yeah, and, and have you seen their number eights? They've got uh, Vermeulen and Roos, who are both probably 120 kegs and six foot five, <laughs> six foot six. I know, mate. That's always the case with uh, with the South Africans and it's particularly the French outfit. They've just got big bodies, man. Like That's why I was talking to Clark about the style of play we've got to play. You know, We've got to run them around because we can't physically match them, but we've still got to front up set piece-wise. So it's going to be a big challenge, uh, John. Appreciate your call, brother. Yeah, there's no small cattle in South Africa, that's for sure. There you go. That is the DHL Super Rugby Pacific. You can catch it live on Sky Sport or get tickets at superrugby.co.nz. Izzy will have a player every week uh, after the weekend. It is uh, eight away from nine when we come back. Ian Smith joins us to see what's going to happen between nine and 12.